I'm Chris Yops. I'm the children and family pastor, and this is week four of our four-week series on marriage and family. And before I go any further, I want to make one quick further announcement, um, put in a plug for our marriage class. Uh, this series may have kind of uh, pricked your interest or reminded you just how important marriage is, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're newly married or you've been, you've been married 50 years or more. Um, if, if you feel like you could use more understanding in your marriage, if you feel like you could use better communication, then this is a class for you. And the class starts on March 21st, and it's going to be in person and online. You can sign up on our website or on our app. Um, if you have any questions, you know, there's a description if you go to our website and click on the link. Um, but if you have more questions, you can talk to me or, or one of the other uh, people in the, on staff. But just encourage you to consider um, joining us in that class. Now, it will be offered again. I realize... Um, for different reasons, everyone may not be able to participate who wants to this time around. If not, no sweat. We will offer it again. Um, but don't forget to sign up because it's coming fast, March 21st. So, again, here we are, week four of our four-week series. On We're talking about family, we're talking about marriage, and we're looking at uh, marriage and family through the lens of Scripture, but we're also looking at marriage and family through the steps of listen, love, and lead. And so just a quick review, um, as Pastor Tom was sharing us with us earlier in the series, um, the first step, and, the, and these are the steps of our family, uh, our family ministry suggests to parents um, in order to help us influence our kids to know and follow Jesus. Um, and so the first step is listen. That parents, it starts with us, Right? It starts with us as parents listening to God, and that means we need to be in God's Word. That means we need to be praying. That we need, means we need to be here on Sunday morning fellowshipping together and worshiping and listening to God. So we need to have that healthy, vibrant, you know, active relationship with God ourselves and where we're listening. And then second, as parents, we need to look for ways to show love. And you may say, well, Pastor Chris, I love my kids. I love my spouse. Do we really need to be reminded to show love in our family? And... Um, Maybe you don't, but I know that I can get stuck in a rut. I mean, of course I love my wife, I love my kids, but I know I go through days sometimes where I forget to look for ways to show love to them. And that's so important because, I mean, first of all, that was one of Jesus's, you know, foremost commandments is that as followers of his, we show love to people. But second of all, there's nothing like love to soften people to God, right? To soften people to the gospel. And so we need to be looking for ways to show love. And today we're going to talk about mission, how we need to be leading on mission. As parents, grandparents, you know, there's a lot of things we need to lead into. There's a lot of things in God's Word that our kids and grandkids need to know about. Um, but first and foremost, we need to be leading into mission. And so we're going to kind of zero in on that today, how we can be living, like telling and showing the story of Jesus as a, as a couple and as a family. And mission is important, right? Let's, let's call time out real quick. And reflect for a second, like here we are, you know, most of us, if not all of us, um, are here this morning because at some point we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? Now think, would we be here now, would you be here this morning, and would you believe what you believe right now if someone didn't take the time and say yes to Jesus and, and be on mission themselves, and tell and show the story of Jesus and share about Jesus with you and share the gospel with you, right? Maybe you heard through a friend or a family member, you know, relationally. Maybe you read something. Maybe you went to a conference and the speaker, you know, was speaking to 
hundreds or thousands of people at once, but you heard the gospel that way. However it was that you heard about Jesus, it was, it was because somebody was willing to be on mission. That's just how important this is, you know, the subject matter that we're talking about today. So, so let's try to really focus, zero in, um, turn on the old, you know, we're all, I, I sense there's a lot of energy in the, the room this morning, we're charged up. So let's really channel that and focus and hear what God has for us today. Um, let's stand. I'm going to read the passage out of Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and then please remain standing as we pray together. Then Jesus came to them and said, again, this is Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, Father, there is so much in this passage um, that we really need to take to heart and that really... um, I believe you mean to compel us into action. So, Father, I ask that you would help, help me um, to share clearly to this morning. I pray that your spirit would be at work um, in me, but in all of us. Father, your spirit is here to help us understand your word. Your spirit is here to convict. Your spirit is here to encourage. I, I believe your spirit is here to give us an ideas sometimes when we need them. Father, would your spirit really have his way with each one of us this morning? And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We may be seated. So this morning, we're going to take a pretty straightforward approach. What we're just going to do, I'm going to share four observations about the passage including, you know, how we should be telling and showing the story of Jesus, how we should be on mission, not just as individuals and not just as a church family, but as couples, as married couples and as families. And then I'm going to share um, some short stories to kind of give illustrations of what that can look like. So everybody on track? Four observations and then some short stories of what this all can look like. So observation number one, mission as Jesus's last commandment. Mission is Jesus' last commandment, as his last words. Last words are important, right? I mean, you think about it, you think about like a story you've read or a movie that you've watched, and it's not uncommon for there to be a scene where somebody's dying and, and they, they, they're able to get out these last words, and the, the, those, whatever is shared is just profound and it changes the course of the story. Or maybe sometimes it's important for what the person's not able to share, right? Like the pirate movie where he's like, I buried the treasure by the... And then he, and he just can't get it out, right? And so, and that kind of sets the stage for the rest of the story. But either way, last words just have a, a special kind of weight to them. And, and of course, all that Jesus said is important. And all of Scripture is inspired by God. But we have to understand that in context, these are Jesus' last words as recorded by Matthew. And the other gospel writers, it's very, very similar. And for Luke, you have to look at the beginning of Acts to find this scene, but it's, it's all very similar. And there's a lot of things that Jesus could have said with his last words, and he chose to say this. He, jo- he chose to send his disciples on mission, to go 
and tell the, you know, to, make, to make sure that the rest of the world heard this message that Jesus brought. You know, sometimes it helps me to appreciate what Jesus said when I consider what he could have said instead but didn't. Does that make sense? I mean, can you imagine Jesus gathering his disciples together? Okay, he, he's like, guys, come close, come close, guys. And the disciples are still a little shell-shocked, probably, because you know, the, the whole you know, crucifixion and resurrection, you know, and then so there's, it's still kind of, the dust has not settled from that yet. They ha- I don't think it's all quite makes perfect sense to them yet, and Jesus is like, guys, come close, come close. I'm going to, I'm leaving now. I'm going to ascend to the Father. Now, I'm going to come back again, but I'm going to be gone for a while, and while I'm gone, I want you to do blank. Like, if we didn't just read the passage, what might you think that Jesus would have said? Or maybe if, if we were to ask your family members or your friends or your coworkers who know that you're a Christian, that you follow Jesus, and what, what would they say based on watching you and your life, what would they guess Jesus' last words were? This big important commandment that he gave, right? There's a lot of things we could insert in there that we do that he could have said that he didn't. So he chose, you know, with his final commandment, with his last words, to send us out on mission. And I just, I just think that's hugely important. So that's the first observation. All right, observation number two. Mission is the context for discipleship. Mission is the context for discipleship. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So he's saying to go and make disciples, but then there's this part, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And what do we call that here in the church? Anybody? Discipleship, right. That's discipleship, and discipleship is good. Jesus said we're supposed to make disciples. But discipleship here is happening in the context of mission, in the context of going. See, the early Christians understood this. You see examples of this in the Bible even, where people hear about Jesus, and they put their faith in Jesus, and they immediately want to go and tell other people. They don't, they don't first stop and say, well, I got to learn everything and understand everything, and then I'll go and, and share it. You don't see that in Scripture. You see, what Jesus, Jesus started a movement this, the kingdom of God through the gospel spread across the Roman Empire at an amazing pace. And then it continued over hundreds of years to spread over the entire world. It was a movement. And I feel like today we've kind of turned it into the gospel, we've kind of turned it, turned it into a subject matter that we have to have an educational process to share with people. And it's all focused on ourselves. And so instead of thinking about, oh, I need to take this and share it with others, we kind of sit around and stare at our belly buttons all day. You know what I mean? Now, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But Jesus meant this to be something that we receive and it, tr- it begins to transform us. And it's not just meant for us. It's meant to transform other people. And we're supposed to take it to them. You see, if mission is merely part of discipleship, if mission is packed in under discipleship, then it's like you're get, you're be, you put your faith in Jesus, you're given a little booklet, a 12-chapter booklet on what it means to be a Christian, and mission is maybe chapter 12. And maybe you're only on chapter 3. So you're like, well, I'll get to mission when I get to it. And a lot of us never get to it, right? And that's not the way that, that Jesus presented this. 
So do you understand that, that discipleship is supposed to happen in the context of mission and not the other way around? So do you want to be discipled? Do you want to disciple others? You know, I hope so. I think we do, right? We'd all answer yes to that. Okay, that's awesome, and that's part of God's plan, but that needs to happen in the context of going. That needs to happen in the context of being on mission. We need to lead with mission. Okay, observation number three. Mission and the promise of His presence. Mission and the promise of His presence. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And then what did he say? And surely I am with you always, even to the the very end of the age. Now that is a precious promise, right? Jesus is promising his presence to us. But sometimes what we do as Christians is we like to take us a verse that we like, and we just rip it right out of context, don't we? And we just use it whenever and however we want to. But we need to realize here, we need to remember and appreciate that Jesus made this promise in the context of commanding us to be on mission. Now, there are other passages that I, where I believe Jesus does promise to be with us, and He's with us all the time. But here in this passage, the promise is very tightly associated with this command to, to go and be on mission. Do you want to know that Jesus is with you? Do you want to really know that he's right there with you? Well, get caught up in this intentional activity of telling and showing the story of Jesus, of looking for ways, wherever you are, to tell and show the story of Jesus. And then you can know, you can take this to the bank, Jesus is with me. I would even go so far as to say, you want to feel You want to feel Jesus' presence? You want to know him more deeply, more intimately? Then get caught up in being on mission and telling and showing the story of Jesus. Jesus makes this precious promise, but let's not forget the important context where he says we need to be on mission. Okay, observation number four. Mission through marriage and family. Mission through marriage and family. So you're like, okay, Pastor Chris, I get it. We're supposed to be on mission. We're supposed to be telling, showing the story of Jesus. But um, I get what that means for me. But what does that mean for my marriage? What does that mean for my family? Well, it's, it's pretty straightforward, really. What do we say at the end? Almost the end of every time we gather to worship, we say Jesus changes everything. That Jesus changes everything, and we say that because he does. It's super true, right? As soon as we put our faith in Jesus and we start that relationship with him, he begins to transform us in the most profound way that can even be imagined. Like our values change. Our understanding of reality and of what's important changes. Our understanding of our identity changes. Our, our, our goals and aspirations in life begin to change. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. Jesus starts to transform our marriage. He starts to transform our families. And maybe some of us have already experienced that, praise God. But especially as your spouse maybe puts his or her faith in Jesus, then you realize, oh my goodness, like we we have some shared values now that are more kingdom-oriented. You know, think about when you first got married. Some of us got married before we put our trust in Jesus, before we were Christians. 
Okay, and you met your spouse and you, and you married him or her, why? Well, maybe because you thought, oh, she was just the most beautiful woman I ever met, and she was so thoughtful, and she, she was so full of insight and creativity and, and just so full of life, and oh, I just fell in love. Or maybe you thought, oh, when I, when I met my husband, he was just so handsome, and he was so charming and athletic, and he, all, he was so much fun. Right? Maybe, and maybe you're like um, Michelle, and you're like, oh, he was just all the above. <laughs> no, she, does, she doesn't really say that, but I like to tell people she says that. Um, you know, or maybe it was like, maybe you had the Disney experience. It was like true love's kiss, right? You just met, and, and it's, there was something magical um, about that moment. You know, I'm sure it had nothing to do with hormones, right? It was just, it was true love's kiss. Well, at any rate, you got married, and then you become a follower of Jesus. And then your spouse becomes a follower of Jesus. And all of a sudden, you start seeing your marriage a little differently, because whereas before your marriage, truth be told, was a little bit self-centered, and it was a lot about what you could get out of it, now all of a sudden, you see your marriage as a chance for you to be a giver. Now all of a sudden, you start to take the focus away from yourself and put it on the other person. And then you start to realize my marriage isn't even just about being a giver to my spouse. My marriage is about being a giver to the world, that we're here, that our, our marriage is a resource, that our marriage is a platform for God to be able to use for us to tell and show the story of Jesus, maybe in ways that we couldn't have done as effectively on our own. And then maybe your kids start to put their trust in Jesus and you realize, oh my gosh, we could work as a team. We might be able to tell and show the story as a team more effectively than any of us could do it on our own. And so, whereas initially we feel that call to mission as an individual, the way that Jesus works is our, our marriage and our family start to get caught up into that same calling. You guys tracking with me? Okay. So, what does that look like? What does it look like to, for your marriage and for your family to be on mission, for you to be caught up in this idea of telling and showing the story of Jesus? Well, here again, it's pretty simple. And at Fox Valley Church, we've tried to make it extra simple. We have, like, we have like a three-step process, so to speak, just to help, you know, for us to kind of keep in mind, to, to stay on track. It's called 3D living. And you've probably heard this before, but we probably don't talk about it enough. Okay, 3D living. That's where we develop relationships, we discover people's stories, and then we discern the next steps. Okay, we, we develop relationships, we discover their stories, and we discern next steps. And this is all motivated by love. That's a super important part of it. The motivation is love. Love for God and love for people. The kind of love that says, oh, I so hope that my friend says yes to Jesus. But even if he doesn't, I'm still going to love him. Okay, that's the kind of love that motivates 3D living. So, what does that look like as a family? Let me share a few sh short stories, or as a, you know, in marriage. What can that look like to be doing 3D living? And Michelle and I um, have been doing this, not perfectly, um, but for a long time, and we didn't always think of it as 3D living, because we hadn't heard of that until we came to Fox Valley Church, but it was the same thing, just, just different words. And so I'm going to share a few, few short stories from, from our family and from our marriage, and please hear me, it's not because I think that Michelle and I and our family, like, do this better than anyone else. Like, I'm not putting us forward as a model. I'm just putting us forward as, a, as some examples of what this can look like. Does that make sense? 
because trust me, we've had lots of whiffs or swings and a miss on, on the attempt to be telling and showing the story of Jesus. But there's a few notable exceptions, um, thanks to God, where it kind of came together. So, first of all, the roof story. The, and these are all from when Michelle and I lived in Wisconsin, um, in Greendale, so in this way, like, the people involved can be kind of anonymous and stuff like that. But, um, when we first got to Greendale and I was working at my previous church, we, we bought a house, and I still to this day don't know how we bought the house because we had like, we had no money, and um, somehow we bought, we bought this house, and almost immediately we were told, you need a new roof. So I, I brought, you know, the inspectors came, not the inspectors, the estimator guy came in, you know, and he's like, oh, you know, $8,000, $10,000, $12,000, dollars and I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's no way, we don't have that kind of money. And um, there was an older man in our church who was retired, and he offered to be like a foreman for a project um, where he would, if I would recruit a bunch of volunteers, he would help us tear off the roof and put a new roof on, and that way we would only have to buy the materials, which would save us a ton of money. So I was like, like, okay, that's great. And so I went and recruited as many people as I could and told them to bring their friends if they wanted to. And I remember the Saturday morning came when we were going to start this project, and we we're going to try to knock it out in a weekend. And... Um, and there were like a hundred people, you know, between the people on the roof and in our yard walking around, it was like a hundred people there. And I'm walking around and a lot of these people, I'm pretty sure I've never met before. Um, so many of them are openly saying they've never worked on a roof before. They have, don't know how that works. Um, some of them are like, they didn't know who lived in this house. And so um, I was a little nervous if it was all gonna turn out right. But it was just, as you can imagine, it was a circus. And of course, about halfway through, what happens? Woo! You know, Greendale police officer stops by, like, what is going on here? Do you guys have permits to be doing this? And so I explained to him, yes, we have, this is what we're doing, and we do have our permits. And, and, and kind of the look of just, like, disbelief never really left his face as he said, okay, just be safe, and he drove away. And... Um, it all turned out okay, but what was awesome from that experience is that, and I'm not making this up, like it was the talk of the town. For weeks, I would go to the, like the gas station or the grocery store, and I would overhear people talking about, did you hear about what happened at that house? How there were all those people like doing that roof? It was like a, like a Amish thing or something, and it was like really weird, but it was kind of cool. And like we didn't plan that event to develop relationships, but let me tell you, God used that to just really start a lot of relationships in our, in our new neighborhood. And then there was another time where we were having a, a barbecue and a fire pit with our neighbors, and, and we did that all the time, but this one was a little different because a new neighbor had just moved in, and so we're like, hey, let's invite, you guys come over on Friday night, we'll invite the neighbors over so you can meet them, we'll have a, you know, smoke some brats, and, or cook some brats, and, and get the fire pit going. But this time I'm like, I told the neighbors, hey, don't just come, bring your friends. You know, if you have any other friends in the neighborhood, bring them. So that, well, anyway, so Friday night comes, and it is standing room only in our backyard. Like, I had no idea how many people would turn up. Like, we didn't have near enough food, but luckily people brought some food and everything. And kids were running all around the house, you know, doing what kids do, yelling and screaming once it gets dark and playing their silly games. And um, it was just, I just couldn't believe how many people we had gathered right there. And I guess I wasn't alone because, woo, you know. Here comes the police again, and actually it was two police cars, so they might have been a little worried about exactly what was going on. And I talked to them, and I explained, oh, we're just having a party, well, you know, new neighbors, blah, 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 and, and they're like, oh, okay, all right, well, keep it down so you don't bother the neighbors, and you know, I'm thinking, well, all the neighbors are here, like, who are we going to bother? But um, anyways, another opportunity where we just developed a ton of relationships. 
And, um, and then finally, one more quick story, Michelle, and usually Michelle's the brain behind all these things. She was like, she loves kids. She was like, you know, it was one summer where she's like, let's have an Olympic Games for the kids. It was probably a, one of those summers where the Olympics was happening. And so she got all, she got like 10 different yard game stations, and she invited all the neighborhood kids. And of course, all the parents were happy to send their kids because they, we had developed relationships with them, right? And they were beginning to trust us. And so we had all these kids over at our house, and they were having so much fun. And one of the parents thought, this is so cool. He donated a keg of Sprecher's root beer. Like, have you ever had Sprecher's root beer? That is amazing root beer. It's made in Wisconsin. They've got a secret ingredient. If you've had it, you might know what it is, but it is delicious. And so I was kind of pumped about this, the root beer, to be honest. So anyways, so we're in the backyard, and we're taking kind of a break, and I'm pumping this keg, and I'm kind of chuckling to myself as I've got like 15 kids, you know, eight, nine years old in front of me in a line. They're all holding their red plastic cups. <laughs> and, uh, and then I'm noticing how the keg doesn't have a label. You know, it's just a keg. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, this could probably be misunderstood. And then right at that moment, I look over, woo! I'm like, oh, no, are you kidding me? And so I have to explain to the officer what's going on, and that took a little while. But, um, you know, at the end, he's like, that's cool, that's really cool. He said, why don't you get a clean trash can and throw it in there and throw some ice on there, and, and then that way people don't wonder, and it looks a little... So anyways... Um, <laughs> But those are some examples, you know, where God helped us to just develop relationships with our neighbors, and we began to um, discover their stories. Like there was a guy across the street who was a postman, and he was about to retire, and he was a little snarky, and he had a son who had just gotten married, and they had a little boy, and... Um, you know, he wasn't super open to God, but we would be able to have some spiritual conversations. He did love to come over, and we play ping pong in the basement. And, you know, he started to open up a little bit and say how he, you know, maybe sometimes he drank a little too much. And um, there's the neighbors across the street the other way where he's a pilot, and um, she was an actress, and she's a little bit into, like, Wicca or whatever and witchcraft. And, but at the same time, she was super open to spiritual conversations. And our daughter, um, Shiloh, started to be pretty good friends with... Um, with really good friends, to be honest, with, with their daughter. And, and then there was another couple down the street where he was manager of a paint store, and, um, and they were Catholic, and they had a ton of kids. Like, you think we have a big family. Um, and they didn't really want to, well, at least maybe Michelle had better luck, but I, I know for me, they didn't really want to have those God talks. And, uh, and then I could go on and on. There's one other family that comes to mind where um, he, was, he worked with the Greendale Public Works, right? Like the, where they, they do all the things that need to be done to keep up the, the infrastructure of the suburb, like the streets and water and all that. Anyways, great guy, and I just got along with him so well. And Michelle got along with the wife. And, um, and, we, and the more we got to know them, we started, to, you know, they were sharing about their marriage. And how you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have guessed it by like, first meeting them, but like their marriage was on the ropes. They were about to get divorced. It had been under a lot of stress for a long time. So anyway, we began to discover their stories. And so then a couple examples of how we um, discerned next steps. And, you know, obviously, we can, you know, you can invite people to church. There's a lot of things that you can do. You can give someone a book, maybe. But we thought, you know, a couple of things we did. One is that we realized a lot of the couples we were meeting, their marriages were really stressed. And so we're like, how about we have a marriage small group? And most of these couples, they didn't go to church. They didn't know what a small group was. Like, we're all like, life group. Yeah, we know what a life group is. But like, people who don't go to church, that is so foreign to them. But they're like, that sounds kind of cool. Let's do it. So they all came. You know, we had everybody come over on Friday nights. We went through a Christian marriage, um, Christian marriage material. And they all knew it was Christian. And they loved it. 
And we were supposed to meet for about two hours every Friday night, but we ended up meeting about four hours just because we all love being together. We love talking. We just had a great time. And the gospel was presented at the end, you know, through the material at the end of the um, uh, small group. And um, I'm not sure any of them actually put their faith in Jesus from that, but I guarantee you every single one of them moved closer. Every single one of them had a new appreciation for the wisdom of God's ways as they saw how that was revealed about marriage in Scripture. And... Um, then one other quick story, Backyard VBS. Every summer, we did this, you know, Vacation Bible School. We did a scaled-down version of Vacation Bible School in our backyard. You could get away with this in Milwaukee. And, um, you know, we'd have the lesson and some teaching and a story, but we have games and snacks and all that stuff and make it fun for the kids. And um, there again, the, the neighbors were willing to send their kids, even though they knew what it was, because they trusted us, right? We had, they, we had started to develop relationships. And every summer, we had um, kids put their trust in Jesus as a result of that vacation, uh, that backyard VBS program. And I want to introduce you to, um, or show the picture, that picture of the family. Uh, see the girl second to the left? That's Allie. And Allie was one of the girls, when she was younger, she came to our backyard for backyard VBS. And and later, one of those days, in our kitchen, she was talking with Michelle at the kitchen table, and she um, you know, Michelle shared the gospel with her, and she prayed to put her faith in Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And Allie has never been the same since. Allie went on to go to start going to a youth group. She went on missions trips. She went to a, she's at a Christian college. Now she's engaged to a guy who wants to go into ministry, maybe be a pastor. It's her heart to want to be, um, to work in an orphanage someday overseas. Like it totally changed her life, but it didn't stop there. Her parents put their trust in Jesus after that. Steve started going to a men's Bible study. And then he started going to, to church. And, the, and Katie started, the mom started going to church. And then Chloe started going to youth group. And then Steve went on a missions trip. Like it has totally rocked their family. Right? Do you see how it continued? And all that was possible because, and again, not because Michelle and I did anything perfectly. Trust me, we didn't. But but because we were willing to try to tell and show the story of Jesus. Like we did our part and, and Jesus took it from there. So I want you to think about like how can you, how in your marriage and in your family, how can you be on mission? How can you as a couple or as a family tell and show the story of Jesus? You know, for Michelle and I, this has always been the tie that binds us most closely. I mean, we... Obviously, there's a lot of other things, um, but to be honest, it's like when we're on mission, that's when we're closest. That's when our relationship is best. That's when we have a relationship where there's the most intimacy. It's not when we're focused on ourselves, but when we're focused on God's priorities for us together, and we're a team, side by side, shoulder by shoulder, fumbling and stumbling our way into this together. And, I, and, and Michelle likes to say, you know what, when we're on mission, when we're, we're really doing what God wants us to do, the best is always yet to come because God has such plans for us. And I guarantee you the same is true for your marriage and for your family. When you really put, get caught up into Jesus' command to tell and show the story of Jesus for your marriage and for your family, I guarantee that the best is still yet to come for you as well. Let's pray. Well, Father, uh, we covered a lot of ground this morning, and I just pray that you would help the most important parts of this to really stick, 
I pray that you would help the whole, may the Holy Spirit just really be reminding of us, this, us about this and have the conversations we need to have later in the day. And Lord, help this to be something that makes a difference. Help us to really even resolve maybe today, have in mind to have some steps that we can take. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, that was awesome this morning to hear some of this. And uh, if anyone needs a roof, if you just raise your hand, (laughs) we can take care of that. What we want to do this morning is uh, one of the things that uh, Chris and Michelle uh, recognize, and if you're around Chris any amount of time, is it's not always what happens on Sunday morning, is it? It's what we do all week long, the friendships we have, the relationships. So we're going to invite Michelle up, uh, and we're going to do a a little interview with Chris and Michelle. And uh, we've heard Chris's side of the story, but I wanted to uh, bring up uh, Chris and Michelle. If we could welcome Michelle up here as well. You know, it it looks real easy to pop up here, but not everybody is as comfortable. So thank you, Michelle, for doing this and uh, been uh, thinking about some of these things uh, as you told these stories, great stories, good things happening, right? And uh, it doesn't take a lot. We're we're friendly people. We're loving people. But uh, let's go back a little bit. And here was something I wrote down. What did God use in your lives to bring you to this place? You know what I mean? Like if there, there was sometimes, you know, like this morning, it might be this message that says, we got to do something. But what was it for y'all that, that said, we want to be this as a family and as a, a marriage? Um, <laughs> um, for, I would say, well, we were both uh, campus life directors with Youth for Christ. That's a little bit like crew or campus crusade, but for high school students. So we were trained a little bit in this, and I think that made oh. a difference. Um, but even before that, I just, ever since I started reading the Bible um, back in junior high, I just always felt as I was reading the Bible like God was speaking to me directly. Mm. Like where Jesus, where Jesus, you know, said to his disciples when he was calling them, he said, come and follow me. I mean, maybe this is crazy, but I felt, I mean, I could imagine Jesus saying, come, Chris, come and follow me. You know, like he was talking to me. And when he said, go and make disciples, I didn't feel like I was reading this and, oh, that's what Jesus said to his 12 guys. I felt like he was, like I was right there, you know what mm. I mean? Like he was saying that to me too. And so I just always took it personally. And okay. I think maybe that sure. shaped it a little. Sure. How about for you, Michelle? Something maybe, maybe it was just always natural for you, but was there a moment when you felt like this, this is what God wants me to do, to be involved in? I, <clears throat> I definitely felt that when I decided to do like campus life ministry, um, I, w- I went to Taylor University, majored in social work, but then I thought, well, what good is social work if you can't bring in Jesus? It's just temporary, you know? Um, but I was also really strongly influenced by my mom's family, the Mariotti family, and there's seven kids, and um, those seven kids are, you know, grown up, they have kids, and they're just, they love God, and they share God wherever they go. Like, if my grandma and my Bob and I are at Target walking around. My grandma's got a popcorn trail because she loves the popcorn, but she passed away since. But um, they'd be friendly and talking to everyone everywhere in the bathroom, at the, at the cafe, just absolutely, totally full of love. And my grandma loved to, like, that was just a good example, and that's how all my uncles are. And 
they own a window and door company, and I worked there for like a year before I did Youth for Christ. I know this is long, but this will be my longest one because it's good. Because <laughs> um, I'm like, this is too good to not share. Um, but then, even at the window and door company, my aunt would be like, she's, she's really loves the Lord and is, knows the word and loves people. But she'd be up there. I'd be watching her like, oh, my gosh, she's amazing. Like, she'd be sharing the gospel, like, with customers quite often, just so naturally and laughing and forming relationships. So I think I got to see that modeled. We'd have family picnics, and they'd bring in homeless people to eat with us even recently. Um, it just became a way of life, but it didn't happen like, this is just the backstory on that. Is my grandpa was a boxer in Chicago. Big hands. Everyone, oh, yeah. The mafia wanted him. And <laughs> he, did, he did do some fighting. His name was John Mariotti, super tall, big guy. And he had a little Italian mother who just had a bed and a gun in her room <laughs> because they lived in the city in, um, and a picture of Jesus on the wall. And she would just intercede and just pray for him constantly. And not much really happened for a long time. And then they needed to take their kids out of the city because it was getting too dangerous. And the mafia was really tempting in, for Italian families in different ways, you know. But um, they moved to Elmhurst. My, they were Catholic. My grandma prayed every day that my grandpa would ask her out in the Catholic church because she was so in love with him. So, yeah, so then they, they ended up getting married. He became like an alcoholic, drunk, Catholic was, Catholicism really wasn't doing anything real in his life. And a man from Wheaton College would literally come to his house in Elmhurst and chase him around and share the gospel about Jesus. And he'd be like, get out of my house. Get out of my house. And then this man said, okay, you don't want Jesus, but would you guys, since you have seven kids, you have this bigger house and a great location, would you be willing to um, have a Bible study here at this house? And they said yes. And then the whole family got completely transformed by that Bible study. They were having, like, baptisms at the local pools, hopping the fence at, like, 10 o'clock at night. And, like, the, all the children ended up they probably felt like, well, why are we going to have a Bible study if, you, if we're not going to go? Like, we should probably go. So then they invited all their friends. They had coffee, and, you know, my grandma wouldn't let anyone swear in the kitchen. But, yeah, that was one, like, funny story. So that's just the story of, of the example so I had. That is so awesome. Thanks. And, and you can see the impact on, on family as, as we wrestle with this. It's all about relationship, isn't it? it it's why loving people is so, so important as we demonstrate it in our own homes, our own marriages, but then in the neighborhood. Now, I got to say, uh, probably many of us here are intimidated, right? It, it sounds great, right? Uh, I wanted my roof done and nobody showed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it can be intimidating, uh, and you told some great stories. Could Tell us a story where maybe it, it was a swing and a miss, it was a whiff, right? Can I go first? Sure. Okay, so we got our, we, Chris is in seminary. My brother was nice enough to let us live in his house in Geneva. It was just the part of Geneva that's like the ghetto of Geneva area. The houses are all next to each other, super close, but people aren't really friendly. Sorry, mom, dad, or anyone, but. (laughs) (laughs) So, but it wasn't like fancy at all, which was great because we had our kids in diapers in the front yard running around and jumping in the Johnny jumpers. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so anyway, so the, the one thing that we did, because no one really was friendly either, I thought, well, if it's like this, we should all be more friendly because we're not all rich, you know? But people still weren't real friendly. So we just put two fake Ardenock chairs in the front yard, the plastic ones, just to sit out there. And we love just meeting people and getting to know them. So those two chairs led to some maybe four families that we became friends with and tried to love them. And, you know, really, it was like our first chance to like share the gospel with the neighbors. Oh, you know, like, because <laughs> we wanted to do that. But it turned out where, like, no one wanted the gospel at all. So we just prayed. We just kept the friendships and just prayed. And then it turns out that a family two doors down, after we left, God keeps it going. Um, we go back to our old church, and we see them in the front row of the church, and he's, like, helping wor do worship. He went to a seminary. He became the youth pastor at the church. We had no influence on any of this, but God just mm -hmm. kept it going. God used it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, we're a little tight on time okay. as we, we look at this. Uh, bring us into someone, you know, we're assuming God's working, God's stirring hearts. We need encouragement, right? We, help us with this, right? That we're in it together. We're not alone. Maybe, Chris, you could help us out well, with I'd this. I'd say just super fast. It doesn't have to be complicated or elaborate. Um, you know, we, you, you, especially once you have kids or grandkids, that you, you meet people at sports games watching your kids. Have them over for a cookout. You know, like Michelle said, set, set some chairs out in your front yard and just sit there and talk, and then people end up walking by, and you, and you can say, hey, and then sometimes you end up talking. There's a lot of really simple things that you can do if it's just on our, on our radar. Um, it all started super, super simple. Yeah, it's, and so please don't think you got to go get a new roof, or, you know, the police man needs to show up in order for it to be a, you know, legit. Uh, Although that could help. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, it gets people talking at least, but, um, you know, to, to stay, in, you know, to, st to be encouraged, you know, first, Maybe you need to have a conversation. You know, maybe today you need to lead a conversation with your spouse or with your family and actually talk about this. Get it out in the open. You know, don't try to bring it in covertly. Say, let's talk about this. God wants us to do this. What might this look like? The other thing you can do is just with your life group. You know, our life groups, if our life groups are really healthy, you know, this should be an aspect of our life group is where we're encouraging each other, a little bit holding each other accountable, updating one another on what's going on. Does that make sense? So I think that life group... Um, that, that's a real source of, of encouragement and accountability. And I was just going to say, last thing was one of the verses that really keeps me motivated, and I need to remind myself, like right now, was just like make the most of every opportunity for the days are evil, mm. wherever you go. Yeah. Because it could be just the right person at the right time in the right place in the right neighborhood at whatever. Wow, that's good. There you go. That's good. And I know there's so much more that could be said. Uh, let me go ahead and close us in a word of prayer. Uh, if I could invite you to stand, if you're able to stand. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the message. Thank you for Jesus' parting words. And God, now as we leave, I ask your blessing on every person here that they would feel your love, your joy, your encouragement over them. And that out of that, would birth just an expression of love to whoever we encounter. Bless your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember as you leave, Jesus changes everything.